Sometimes beauty really is only skin deep. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're going to cover the case of Shana Huber while I drink my vodka and iced tea. Shana Huber's was a very ugly and beautiful young woman. She was also very smart. People said that she was actually like near genius. In fact, she was able to graduate with a psychology major in only three years, and she graduated with Latin honors and was pursuing a master's degree in school counseling when she met attorney Ryan Poston. He was 28 at the time, and she was 19, but he liked how driven that she was. He was really attracted to her because, obviously, she's very pretty, but she's driven. She's smart. He had a lot of good things going for him as well. Not only was he the youngest attorney at his firm, but he was extremely handsome and he was smart. He was so smart that his friends said that he was pretty much like a walking dictionary. He attended the Indiana University where he triple majored in history, geography, and political science. His families also had ties to the Procter and Gamble, so he was able to get a good education. He went to the International School Manila in the Philippines and the International School of Geneva, which was in Switzerland. And that was during high school. So needless to say, he had a good life. Ryan had a step cousin that also went to Northern Kentucky University, Carissa Carlisle, and that's kind of how him and Shana met. They were mutual friends on Facebook since they went to the same school. They, they did hang out with some of the same people. And Ryan and her became Facebook friends, and they really just hit it off. Even though he was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and she was in Kentucky, it didn't seem to matter because they really did hit it off. And they looked like the perfect couple, but not everything is always what it seems. So within the 18-month relationship, the two had been dating off and on for pretty much the entire time. Friends of Ryan said that he had tried to end his relationship with Shana on numerous occasions. When Shana texts and phone calls would go unanswered, she'd just show up at his condo unannounced and would refuse to leave when asked. Ryan's friends and family expressed their concerns over his relationship with Shana many times, and he would always reassure them that he's going to end it for good, but as much as he claimed he didn't want to be with her, on October 11th of 2012, they went over to Ryan's parents' house so they could have dinner. It was supposed to be, they go to the parents' house, they have dinner, they go back, and she was supposed to spend the night. But once they got back to his condo, the two ended up getting into a big argument, and that's when Ryan decided that, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore, and he ended the relationship. And then he even made plans to go on a date the very next night with a former Miss Ohio. So on October 12th, 2012, Shana went over to Ryan's house unannounced to talk to him. And I think it's fair enough to say things probably did not go quite as planned for her. Ryan must have told her that he had a date with Audrey, 
who was Miss Ohio that year in 2012. And she probably got really jealous and decided she, she was not going to allow this date to happen. She felt like she was losing him. And that was really scary to her. And then to find out that not only did he make plans so quickly with another girl, but it's Miss Ohio. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I think any girl would be a little jealous. I think that's fair to say. Around 8.55 that Friday night, the Highland Heights, Kentucky Police Department get a call from Shana, and she tells them, I just killed my boyfriend. It was a result of domestic abuse. When the police arrived, she said that they were arguing and that she was scared, so she shot him with his own gun. Ryan did have a lot of guns in the house. I believe they said there was three or four. He was very uh, into the gun advocate, and he always made sure that there was one on his table. I believe it was the kitchen table. Ryan was still seated at the table when they arrived, sitting up in the chair, and he had six gunshot wounds to the face, the chest, and the back. She told them that a fight occurred over the table for the gun, but the evidence did not show that that was accurate, since nothing on the table seemed disturbed. There was blood on the table, but when you looked around, he had pill bottles that were still standing straight up. Things did not look shoveled around. It just did not look like there was really that much of a struggle. I mean, if you're doing that, you, you would think at least the pill bottles would knock over, maybe fall on the floor. I don't know. Some of the police, while still on the scene, they're canvassing the neighborhood, talking to neighbors, and they said that they always seen her, like, carrying his dry cleaning, uh, she'd do his shopping, she cleaned his house, she would do anything for him. It was clear she wanted marriage, she wanted the long haul, she really cared for him. But neighbors said that on some of the nights, the fights between them would get so loud that they would actually be woken up in the middle of the night by them. One neighbor, Nikki Carnes, told police that when she first saw the ambulance, that she actually thought it was Shayna that was hurt. She said that two to three months prior to this event, Shayna went over to her house and expressed that she was scared of Ryan. And when she was there, she did have bruises and red marks on her arm. She told Nikki that she was beaten and that he dragged her around the house by her hair. When they arrive at the station with Shana, right away, she lawyers up. So the officer asks, what's his name? So he can file the report. And so her response is, who? The man I killed? And then starts talking again. And oh boy, does she talk. At this point, they can't ask her any questions since she asked for an attorney, but if she was willing to talk, they were willing to listen. She talked for two hours and 48 minutes. It was so long that they actually had people taking shifts just so they could go in and listen to her. She told them that after they fought for the gun, that he was laying with his face on the table and making funny noises and twitching. So she got scared and she shot him again. She told the officer, well, I mean, he was going to be dead in like 20 seconds or like two minutes. He was ultimately dead. So I shot him enough times to kill him, you know, so he doesn't suffer. He was shot two more times. And then she said he was still making noise. So she shot him in the head and then walked around the table and shot him again, where she knew he would die immediately. 
pretty much what she's doing is walking around the table and like shooting him from every which angle that she could possibly think of. Absolutely crazy talk. She would say that he was throwing her around like a rag doll, that it was an out of body experience that, you know, she didn't intend for it to happen, even though he threw her into a bookcase and would taunt her with the gun. He would say things like, what are you going to do about it? Things to that nature. He tells her he was so vain. All he cared about was his looks. I shot him right here. And she points to her nose and says, I gave him the nose job that he wanted. And she smirks and asks the woman deputy, am I crazy? While doing this like crazy laugh. I don't know if things are maybe starting to sink in a little bit as she's still sitting there. Because she started asking the woman deputy questions like, if you go to jail, can you keep your phone? Really? Yeah. Yeah, you get to keep your phone. Can you shower there or do you just have to stay dirty all the time? When the female deputy advised her of the shower agreement, she, she said, wait, I have to shower with other people? Ew. Like, her, her maturity level... It's just not, not what you would think for somebody who's 19 and is just so bright. I mean, I understand 19, still a young age. She told her, she said, I have two papers due on Monday. I don't think I'm going to be turning them in. I don't know if anyone will want to marry me now that I killed my boyfriend. A part of me feels bad, but a part of me doesn't. He hit me, he threw me. You do not treat a woman like that. Hell no fury like a woman scored. I never believed it until now. So the male deputy, he comes back in and they charge her with murder. And she's, she asks, what degree? And the deputy says, no degree, it's just murder. And decides that they're going to leave her just to really let things sink in. But she's all by herself. There's no more shifts. And this is when things took a very interesting turn. She's still talking and, you know, she must not have gotten the memo that in every police interrogation room, there is always an eyewitness. She can be overheard saying things like, I'm going to be talked about for many years. They were starting to think that maybe that was her motive, that she was creating the spotlight. They weren't really sure. She started to pirouette and twirl around the table that she was sitting at. Like she was in dance class. She started to sing Amazing Grace. And she was overheard saying, I did it. Yes, I did it. While snapping her fingers. Like, I did it. Yeah, I did it. But even though they were that on-again, off-again couple, he was really never in love with her. She was more of a rebound. He had just broken up with his longtime girlfriend, Lauren, just months before he started dating Sheena. And within six to eight months into their relationship, he was already telling friends and family that he wanted out, that he would try to avoid her by not answering his text messages or phone calls. But she always found a way around that as well. She would take his cousin's phone, knowing that he would answer her calls. She would show up in Cincinnati around where Ryan worked, around his lunch times, to maybe try to catch him out, maybe eating see him around. Peter, his stepfather, told him just the night before to be kind and honest to her, to let her down easy. But on that October 12th, 
when he sent her that text, letting her know that it was really over this time, it, it didn't matter. January 16th, 2013, she entered a not guilty plea. And on April 15th, 2015, the trial begins, which was two and a half years after all this happened. And she actually sat in that jail the whole time. No one bailed her out. She did not take the stand on her defense, but they did have her tapes to do a lot of the talking for her. <laughs> you know, two hours and 48 minutes worth. Her defense attorney said that she was abused as a child and she got scared and she reacted. The prosecution said that this was a premeditated action stating that if she can't have him, no one can. And saying that the movie Fatal Attraction comes to mind. They showed just how obsessed she was with Ryan by sharing the messages sent both via text and social media. There were 100,000 messages just on social media alone. They said to every one message Ryan would send, she would send 50. She just could not help herself. The prosecutor said that the proof is in the astonishing trove of texts and emails investigators discovered in numbers like anything they had ever seen. Hundreds of thousands of messages and emails. Back in February 2012, eight months before Ryan's death, he was telling her things like, you can tell people that you broke up with me, hoping maybe that would like soften the blow a little bit. But instead, she would reply things like, I love you dearly. Um, I love you more than you deserve. In March, he sent her, stop texting me. In April, I no longer have the patience to deal with you. They showed how she would go into his Facebook account and go in and like block people. Audrey, Miss Ohio, USA, 2012, took the stand to tell the jury that her and Ryan did in fact have plans to meet up that night at the Milford Inn Bar at 9.30, but he never showed up. They were actually supposed to meet up earlier that day and asked to push it back to a later time of 9.30. But as we know, the 911 called in at 8.55, so Ryan was already dead. His cousin, Carissa Carlisle, also took the stand, and she said that he told his cousin in December of 2012 that he was exhausted by the relationship and was even considering a restraining order. But it turns out that under the law in Kentucky, he didn't qualify for a restraining order. The two have to either have been living together or have been married in order to receive a restraining order. I really hope since this case they fix that, but I'm not sure because that's ridiculous. She also stated that in April, he sent her a text that said, she came to my place on Sunday morning and I literally had to pick her up and throw her into the hall. Sounds like once again, Shayna showed up again, showed up at his door. And she actually did have her own key, I guess at one point, because there was an incident where Ryan had to leave his own condo and went to go spend the night with his dad at his father's house because she was there and would not leave. And he was just sick of arguing. So he got up and left his own damn house to get away from this girl. Her defense team said that a lot of information is going to come out about this relationship and what about happened that night. This was not a case of anything but self-defense. This is a case where Shana was acting to save her own dignity and her own safety. 
The defense team claims there are plenty of Facebook messages Ryan sent his friends that show he was a man consumed by anger, that he had a falling out with one of his ex-law partners who was actually suing him. August 16, 2012, less than two months before he was shot and killed, he put on Facebook, I want to rig explosives to everything I see. October 4, 2012, he wrote, there's nothing I want more than just to scorch the fucking earth and leave this entire city in a pile of burnt rubble. Photos of Shayna taken after her arrest show some light bruising, but police still insist there's no evidence of a life or death struggle. There's no evidence at the crime scene to show that Ryan Poston ever went after Shayna. Nothing was knocked over. There were no signs of a struggle. A toxicologist took the stand and told the jury that the pill bottles that were found were kind of a smorgasbord. Um, they were anti-anxiety and amphetamines, which can make you aggressive and paranoid. And that might be what played a part in his sporadic behavior. The pills that he were taking, you normally would not want to take together because they can have psychological effects on you. On April 23rd, 2015, after five hours of deliberation, the jury found her guilty of murder, and then the jury had to go back to talk about the sentencing, which took them one hour, and they recommended a 40-year sentence with an opportunity for parole after 20 years. But on August 25th, 2016, the case was overturned due to a jury member withheld a felony conviction, and the state of Kentucky prohibits felons from serving on their juries. After several months of delays, on August 8th of 2018, the second trial started. And this time, everybody was so astonished to see she took the stand in her own defense. And she was sticking with her domestic abuse claims. She said that he looked like he was going to get up from the table and the gun was on the table too. So she panicked and she shot him. But then it took a very odd X-rated journey to help prove her case, which was kind of a risky move. She claimed Ryan often humiliated her because she couldn't have an orgasm when they would have sex and said that it would be a constant criticism and that he told her that it was unattractive that she couldn't have an orgasm. And despite how much time went by, Shana was easily able to recall specific dates and details of alleged unprovoked abuse by Ryan. He said that she had woken up in the middle of the night by him pushing her out of bed and just screaming at her. Defense psychologist Thomas Schacht says she has a personality disorder and PSTD, which came from childhood sexual abuse. They were never able to find any reports or any proof that she was sexually abused. But he also said that she had a borderline personality disorder and it's a chronic long-term condition. Her psychological condition was seriously abnormal. And she even admitted on the stand that she did not handle breakups very well. That she would send him countless text messages. They asked, you know, did you show up at his house un uninvited? And she agreed. Yes, I did. When she showed up at his condo on the night of October 12, 2012, she claims that he exploded in anger and he attacked her. He picked me up. He threw me from the doorway of his bedroom into the other room. He screamed at me, you're a fucked up person and you're a fucked up person because you were touched when you were a little girl. After the fight had moved into the dining area, Sheena claims she was left crying on the floor. So she's saying she's on the floor. He's up at the table. Now, I guess after he threw her around, he went and sat at his table. 
and she's on the floor crying and she's saying she sees him going for the gun. So she pops up, gets the gun first and shoots him. The case goes to the jury shortly before 6.30 p.m. And on April 23rd, 2015, family and friends anxiously wait as deliberations go late into the night. Just before 11.30 p.m., a verdict was reached. So everybody had to go back at midnight to get the verdict for this. But after six shots, six years, and six days, the verdict was guilty of murder, and this time she got life in prison. She will be eligible for parole after doing 20 years, which would be the year of 2032. Shana married Richard McBee who is a transgender woman who goes by the name Unique Taylor, who's doing 20 years in prison for human trafficking. And in June, in the Campbell County's jail is when they got married. Thank you for listening. You can now get your crime fix on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While there, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow, or give that five-star rating. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Head over to thecrimeovercocktails.com if you would like to help support the show or check out the growing merch. And we'll talk crime another time. Bye.